Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. The podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Sometimes when I'm playing Fallout, things occur to me. Things that normally don't occur to me or probably most of you when you are playing through one of these games. Because when we're in the mindset of playing a game, you're often thinking about the gameplay and the most advantageous thing you can do in a specific situation to get the jump on the enemy, to achieve that goal, to finish that quest, to get to the next point. But we don't really slow down and think about the nature of some of the things that we're doing. That's what this show's a lot about, is looking at the lore, piecing it together, but then also putting it in the context of being in a real place. What would this actually be like? Today's episode, we're talking about stealth technology, a technology that should terrify us. But for the most part, when we're playing in the games, we pick up a stealth boy and we go, oh, good, that'll be handy. That'll be convenient. We take on a stealth enemy. We shoot them in the head and we move on. We don't think about it too much. But actual stealth technology is terrifying if you just give it a moment to think about it. So today we will be diving into the nature of stealth technology, what we know about it, where it came from, how stealth boys work, how stealth suits work, and then some of the real world correlations between the technology of Fallout and the things that we've actually been able to accomplish in the real world. So don't disappear. I'll be right back. and We're going to dig into it. There are a number of different kinds of items and weapons and armors and those kinds of things that go all the way back to the first Fallout game. And the Stealth Boy is one of them. It premiered with Fallout 1, what we call Fallout 1 now. It's just called Fallout, of course. Way back in the end of the 90s. This was something that the original designers thought about and worked into the lore. And there's good reason for that. We've talked about power armor multiple times. We've talked about how the United States focused on building up their soldiers, giving them basically walking tank outfits in order to take on the communist threat. The Chinese, on the other hand, didn't have that technology and their research went in a different direction. Stealth technology. It's a cat and mouse scenario. You have one side that goes, okay, let's go bigger and stronger. Let's build a cat. And then you have another side that says, well, then we'll build a mouse and we'll evade your cat. And unfortunately, because the games exist mostly in the United States and most of the history and the companies that we know are United States based, we don't have a ton of insight into the actual process the Chinese went through in order to develop stealth technology. But we do have the United States side of that equation because they were dealing with this technology as well. 
if they could have both power armor and stealth technology and make them work, there wouldn't be a whole lot that the Chinese could do against that. So this goes all the way back to 2075, just a little bit before the Great War. And the Stealth Boy was an invention by Robert Mayflower and produced by Robco. This was another Robco product. This is well known to be one of the most advanced technologies before the Great War. Remember that most of the technology that we have today, LCD screens, phones with computers in them that fit in our pockets, wouldn't have been possible in the world of Fallout. Miniaturization didn't really happen. They were still using tube technology and very large physical components. And of course, fusion. They went the direction of figuring out how to exploit nuclear technology beyond where we've actually been able to get to in our own world. The Stealth Boy, however, is a small device. It's something that can fit on your wrist. The Stealth Boy 3001 is actually a wrist-mounted device, and it works by generating a modulating refraction field that transmits reflected light from one side of an object to another. This is sometimes called stealth radiation. And we have to remember, how does our vision work? Our vision works by light sources emitting photons that bounce off of things in the environment and end up back in our eyes. Well, what if instead of that person in front of you bouncing the light of the sun off their body to your eyes, the suit was pulling the light that was coming at them from the opposite side of their body and sending it and matching it through to the other side of the suit, it would effectively look like the person wasn't there because you would be seeing the light from behind them. Now, in a perfect situation, this could turn somebody absolutely 100% invisible. Although, these things tend to work on a spectrum, having to deal with the situation, the environment that you're in, the complexity of the lighting in that one specific scene, I'm sure, but then also the amount of energy and power being used in the Stealth Boy. More energy means more opportunity to send more photons from one side to the other, which means that you go from being kind of semi-transparent to mostly invisible. Now, although the Stealth Boy can be credited to Robert Mayflower, Robert didn't just come up with this idea on his own and figure out how to make something out of nothing. The United States effort was based on the Higui, H-E-I-G-U-I, I don't know how to pronounce those words, stealth suit from the Chinese. They had taken one of the suits and tried to backwards engineer it. And everything that we know about this shows that they fully didn't understand it yet. They were getting close. The stealth boy could do very similar things to the person operating it as one of the stealth suits, but it, it wasn't 100% of the way there. And so these were not rolled out before the Great War by the American forces. They just weren't ready yet. And that was for a few reasons. First, they didn't have a reliable enough source of power. These were small units and they required... I'm sure a significant amount of energy, but they didn't have a way to power them beyond just very short periods of time. Secondly, 
there were psychological drawbacks. And we know this very well if you've played through New Vegas and you've met the Nightkin, which I've talked about on the show before. The Nightkin use stealth boys as often as possible. They don't feel comfortable when they're visible to other people. And the protracted use of stealth boys has affected them psychologically. This isn't just something that can happen with super mutants. This happens with humans as well. It can cause paranoia, delusions, hallucinations, and even schizophrenia. What's interesting to me about this is that the actual mental conditions that using a stealth boy gives you are in some way thematically similar to what a stealth boy actually does. When you use the stealth boy, you are making yourself disappear. You're taking things in the environment or whatever the stealth boy is connected to and you're removing it. You're making reality different somehow by placing or removing something that wasn't already there. Think about when you're in a mental situation and you're worried about something that's not there. Paranoia. If you're seeing something that isn't there, that's hallucination. If you're hearing things, that could be a delusion. And if you are very specifically hearing voices in your head, that's schizophrenia. Now, I talked about how we don't really let the the danger of this technology, the, the fear of it, really get to us while we're playing the games. But think about it. Imagine you're the kind of person who uses this technology all of the time. And you're the kind of person who can easily walk around other people never being detected. This plays into the whole invisible man uh, kind of story where the person is given this power to be invisible from everyone else. And then their morals are tested because if nobody can see them, then they can get away with almost anything. Psychologically, that is extremely powerful and difficult to deal with. Imagine a situation where you get used to nobody being able to see you whenever you want. Does that backfire? Does that turn around and become, well, what other things are around me that I can't see? Who else could be there at any moment because they have the same technology I do? that could very easily become paranoia, delusions, hallucinations, or schizophrenia. It's only a very short distance if you actually think about it. So the development of this technology moved forward with Robco before the, the war broke out, and they designed their Mark I, the Stealth Boy 3001. This is the most common variant of the Stealth Boy. It is the basically the only item in the United States at that time period that could actually do active camouflage. And that's something else I wanted to point out here, active versus passive camouflage. How does that actually work? Well, we currently, and have for a very long time, used passive camouflage, whether that's the patterns on a soldier's outfit that help them to blend in with the environment that they're in, whether that is some sort of netting or uh, leaf canopy structures that you can put over vehicles or buildings in order for them to not appear. Sometimes that could even be a covering that reduces the heat impression of the person or the 
item underneath it so that even using thermal goggles, you wouldn't be able to see, or at least they'd be less noticeable. This is passive. There's no active power source there. It's not actually changing the thing itself. You're just covering it with something else. And one of the reasons why this works is because it breaks the silhouette of the object. Think about the way camouflage works for, say, a military soldier wearing a uniform with those different patches of different colors. At a distance, because of the way those patches line up and hit the perimeter of the person, it breaks their silhouette down. It makes it harder for a human being to see the shape and recognize the shape. That's something that our brains do. We're very good at recognizing face shapes, but then also a human body shape or an animal shape. If it doesn't appear that way, if you break things up into smaller pieces, then it's harder to see. But that's not how these work. These completely replace the object with the light from behind the object so that it appears like it's not even there. The Mark I was replaced by the Mark II, the Stealth Boy Mark II prototype. This is an object we can find in Fallout New Vegas. And in fact, if it wasn't for New Vegas, we probably wouldn't have the reoccurrence of stealth technology as strongly as we do in the Fallout series at this point, because some of the creators from the original Fallout brought it back for New Vegas. And so we have the Mark II prototype. This wasn't quite ready before the the war came out, right? This is the prototype version that was being worked on right before the bombs dropped. And according to Dr. Henry, its purpose was to use less power and last longer. It was like an upgrade to your phone, right? Better battery life. Maybe it'll work a little bit longer. Well, at least until Apple decides to upgrade the OS for the next version and then brick yours. But you know how that goes. <laughs> they, they were moving on to the next version of this. And it was at this time, still before the bombs dropped, in a very short period of time before all of that happens, that in the working on this Mark II prototype, that they figured out that this actually is having neurochemical reactions with the people using it. This is going to be a problem. And so that was another reason why this never really passed testing and worked its way into the United States military. Now that raises some other questions. What about the Chinese stealth suits? If these stealth boys were being reverse engineered by that technology, and if, this is two different ifs on top of each other, uh, the first if we're sure of, but the second if, if the engineers, the American engineers who are working on these got that right, then were the Chinese soldiers also being negatively affected by psychological changes? That's a good question. We don't have any of them to interview, so it would be hard to be sure about exactly what's going on there. Now, I'm trying to remember back to any moments that you have situations where you run into Chinese spies, and if there was any dialogue about how they were losing their mind. I don't recall specifically, but if you do remember, please let me know. Comment, comment on the, uh, the Discord and let me know if you remember a specific dialogue. I'll, I'll look it up. But this wasn't the end of the Stealth Boy. Things were going to progress to a Mark III. And that had to do with the efforts of the Enclave. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. 
All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, including our newest patrons who just signed up actually very, very recently. Uh, Mirren W. and Ryan B., welcome to the Patreon. I hope you're enjoying your ad-free episodes. If you are interested in helping to support this show or you just want to get some really cool stuff like T-shirts and stickers, join us on the patron chats, things like that, head over to patreon.com slash lorecast. We will be doing our end of the month chat on the 29th. So patrons, if you want to sign up or if you're already signed up and you want to join us on the 29th to talk about whatever topic you want, that is coming up in just a week. So that's uh, something that you can do. And I, I hope you decide to do it. Uh, come join us. Also, we got to shout out our Sentry Bots, Germinator and Sky R. Thank you so much for your support. And we have some new reviews that came in. This one is from Garlic Shirt in the United States. It says, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Tom is an awesome speaker. I also found who dropped the bombs in Fallout 4. If you go to Mokrafish packing packaging plant in Fallout 4, on one of the rolls of Boston Bugles, it says the Chinese released an atomic ultimatum, which probably led to the Great War. Yeah, that was a piece of it. And we, I've talked about this on a few different episodes now. There, there were definitely pieces that showed that it was probably the Chinese. But like I mentioned on that other episode, the real question was, is that all? Is that the whole story? And yeah, go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't heard them. Lots of fun stuff to go over, go over uh, with those. And I'm also a great speaker, so I'm totally not stumbling over my words. Thank you so much, Garlic Shirt. Um, Wanted Jack writes, uh, five-star review, awesome, love it. I cannot re recommend this enough to anyone if you are a lover of Fallout and learning the lore behind it. Tom is the guy to do it. I've been playing since Fallout 3, and I've learned things that I've never looked into or heard of until I came across this. And man, I was hooked from the beginning. Thank you, Tom, for putting so much dedication and time into this. Much love. Much love to you, too, Wanted Jack. Thank you so much. And then one more from Ewok Hunter 27. What did the Ewoks ever do to you? Uh, great and interesting podcast. This podcast is the best Fallout lore podcast out there. Tom is a great host and showman and explains lore and facts in an easy to understand way. Episodes are interesting and packed full of sometimes terrifying lore and help me get through the tedious and boring parts of my day. Thank you so much for that. If you would like to help me out with a review, then please head over to Apple Podcasts. You don't have to listen on that platform. You just have to have an account, and those reviews go out everywhere. You can also rate the show on Spotify. You can tell your friends, any of that stuff. Thank you so much for your support. All right, let's get a little bit more into the details about how Stealth Armor works and what's actually going on with the Enclave here. Here we go. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. So in the events after the bombs drop, the first thing that we know happens, if it's actually reality and, you know, the inhabitants of Vault 76 aren't in some sort of simulation, is that Vault 76 goes, opens up, and a bunch of people go back out to Appalachia, and they try to resettle, and they find that the Enclave has been busy. We've gone over the details of that, so I'm not going to refresh everybody on that. But in that time period, that 25-ish years after the bombs drop, the Enclave were still working. They were still there. They were still plotting how they were going to take over and control and bring back America. And I'm putting that in quotes. And part of what they were doing is they were working on technology still the military was connected of course to the people in government who were in power some of those people were the same people who were part of the enclave so it makes sense that they would have continued to try to refine the pip boy 
But this time, they had Modus. Modus, who is an artificial intelligence and seems to be very, very sly and intelligent, continued with some improvements to the Stealth Boy. This became the Stealth Boy Mark III. It's very similar to the previous. It looks a lot more like the Mark I in the canvas little box that it, that it goes in. This time, it's black, and it has an enclave symbol on the inside of the lid. And the biggest difference is that with this upgraded device, they get more invisibility with less power. This was a, a market improvement, a big step up. But that's not the only version that we get in Fallout 76. There's something called the Phantom Device. And it's from one of what I think is the best quest lines in Fallout 76, the Order of Mysteries. They designed, they took what is probably a Mark I and then gave it a little pouch that sits on the side that when you use it, releases hallucinogen gas, cloaks the user, and sets the enemies nearby in a frenzy. So you disappear, and you poof out this gas cloud. It's very Batman-ish, if you think about it. And then you're able to deal with your enemies more easily. Now there's one more variant of the Stealth Boy that's out there. And this comes from Fallout 4. So we jump another almost 200 years into the future. And then we find the railroad. Similarly, and th there's kind of a, a pattern here. The United States versus China. China was the underdog. They develop stealth technology. The United States can't quite figure it out until the Enclave figures out how to upgrade it to Mark III. At a time when they are now the underdogs. Moving forward to Fallout 4, who's one of the big underdogs in Fallout 4? The railroad. Stealth technology is the kind of thing that appeals to the underdog because it gives you a major advantage at, well, a personal risk. And sometimes you're willing to take those kinds of risks because you're in the situation that requires it. Well, the railroad were basically taking normal stealth boys, probably Mark ones and giving them out to their agents. These were not as far as we can tell upgraded in any specific way, although they are sold by Tinker Tom, who's kind of an engineering, you know, uh, genius kind of person. So they might have some slight upgrades, but we don't know specifics about what and how they were upgraded. So that still raises the question, if they're taking standard stealth boys, and even if they were Mark threes, which they probably aren't because Fallout 4 was made before Fallout 76, so they didn't really exist in the lore yet. But even if Mark threes were around, there's no evidence that the Mark threes or the railroad versions or the phantom device with the order of mysteries ever fixed the psychological issues that come from using them too much. So this was playing with fire. They were dealing with a greater threat than they were able to handle. So they were using technology that gave them an advantage at great personal risk. 
So that's most of what we know about Pip-Boys. And of course, the Chinese have their stealth suits. And it's a very similar technology. But again, we don't have the schematics and, and a full understanding of what's going on with all of that. So what I wanted to do as I was getting into this topic was find out exactly what we have here in our own world. I've seen videos online of people showing fabrics that can look like they turn invisible or transparent. How does that actually work? Well, that is due to active camouflage. This is an active camouflage technology having and using something like counter illumination, color changing diodes, those kinds of things. And according to the Wikipedia page on active camouflage, it explains a little bit about possible technologies and how things might actually work for us. It says active camouflage may now develop using organic light emitting diodes and other technologies which allow for images to be projected onto irregularly shaped surfaces, like, for example, a jacket that you're wearing. Using visual data from a camera, an object could perhaps be camouflaged well enough to avoid detection by the human eye and optical sensors when stationary. This is just staying in one place. Camouflage is weakened by motion, but active camouflage could still make moving targets more difficult to see. However, active camouflage works best in one direction at a time, requiring knowledge of the relative positions of the observer and the concealed object. This is obviously not exactly the same thing we have with, say, a stealth boy. You have to know where the person's looking at you from. You have to know which direction to be showing the light from behind you using the camera and re-emitting it. And then it doesn't work as well when you're moving around because it has to actively update, but there's going to be some lag. I would imagine you would see kind of a shimmering effect, kind of a, uh, this sort of looks like it's transparent, but you can, you can tell there's something moving around over there. Our efforts in working on this have gone back about 20 years. 2003, researchers at the University of Tokyo uh, under Susumu uh, Tachi, I think is how you pronounce the name, uh, created a prototype active camouflage system using materials impregnated with retro-reflective glass beads. The viewer stands in front of a cloth, viewing the cloth through a transparent glass plate. A video camera behind the cloth captures the background behind the cloth. And then a video projector basically projects onto this, onto the actual glass beads. So it appears like you're seeing the thing behind the thing that you're looking at. But clearly, this is not a suit that you can put on and wear and go around in, right? Now, there has been research in other directions as well. For example, there's an Israeli company, Altix, which in 2010, so 13 years ago, designed a prototype system of tiles that used infrared for camouflaging vehicles. The idea here is that military vehicles give off very specific light signatures and infrared signatures showing the like the heat of the vehicle and it kind of gives away the shape. So, for example, a tank in a forest is pretty easy to pick out because it's a very different temperature than the forest around the tank. If you were to cover something like a, a tank with a bunch of hexagonal panels that then dissipate the heat and bring the tank's exterior in line with the surrounding temperatures, then it's much less easy to see the tank, at least in infrared. 
So similar kind of thing, but not exactly the same thing, right? This works for infrared goggles and those kinds of things, but you would still just look across the field and be able to visually see a tank. So the technology isn't really there yet. And it seems like there's a lot of moving parts in order to get this even working in the first place. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we don't need people running around completely invisible. And sure, yeah, it's if it's the military, that's one thing, but that technology can get in the hands of other people. The, just the idea of invisibility just seems so dangerous. But I could see the allure of it and the potential benefits to a invading army. So that's Stealth Boys and Stealth Technology. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're having a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. If you're listening to this just after Thanksgiving and you're in the United States or whatever else you're doing out there, have a wonderful rest of your week. And, uh, you know, check twice before you walk into a room and think nobody else is there. Yeah. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.